wherever you're listening today, we thank you for listening with us, okay? All right, time to stand one more time. All right. As we predict the word, I pray right now we do this, we do this um, declaration, I guess you would call it. Uh, and it's a very important thing. It's really scriptures, but it's basically we're speaking the word. Okay? And this morning, I want us to really take it heart and do what this says, and that is to open our ears to hear. Because a lot of people don't understand what hearing is. You know, a lot of people say, if you're, how many of you hear my voice? Okay. Now, I see everyone here, you know, ready to do what they're supposed to be. So that means you heard what I said. Why? What is hearing? Hearing is not just letting it go in our ears, but it's letting it go in our ears and doing what we hear. That's, that's the true definition of hearing is to do that. So this morning, let us open our ear to hear the word, but not just hear it in the sense of hearing it, but let us take the word, use it, and then apply it in our lives and use it in our lives. So let's pray this together this morning. The Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned that I should know how to speak a word this season to him who is weary. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear is the learned. The Lord God has opened my ear, and I was not rebellious, nor did I turn away. You may be seated. Amen. Shelly was up here talking about getting busy and doing all the things and not praying like we ought to or not doing the things that we really should be doing. And the devil makes us feel guilty about it and, and we shame. And so we continue not to do something instead of getting back on track. And sometimes we get off track and we have a very difficult time getting on the track. I used to work around the railroad a lot with the business I was in in, in uh, uh, and on the railroads, and many times we would get called out to derailments. And a derailment is not necessarily the ones that you see where they fall over and plow and everything's everywhere. Anytime a train loses a wheel, gets off the track, even if it's just one wheel off the track, it's called, you know, a derailment. That train is actually derailed. And it cannot go any further on that track, no matter what's behind it, Nothing can move, nothing can move in that train, on that train track, until somebody comes out there and lifts up that uh, uh, car, uh, the rail car, and put it back on track. Then it's able to proceed and continue on. Not only it to continue on, but everything behind it. In other words, it's like life stops on that rail during that derailment. The same thing is true in our lives Many times things happen in our lives that cause us to derail and until we get back on track, getting back to doing what God intended us to do, many times we stay in a stalemate place because we can't move unless we're on the track. That track is the plan of God and what God has and the things that God asks us to do in His Word so that we can stay on track, okay, to stay there. And Hill Devil's out there doing everything that he can to derail you. He's doing everything that he can to keep you from moving forward in your progress of life. And, that, and he does it in many, many different ways. But one, one way that he does it, and I think it's probably one of the biggest things that we have, is distractions. Satan has gone to massive distractions. I got to thinking about it the other day. Jesus didn't have, didn't have one of these. He didn't have one of these. He didn't have a lot of things that we have today that make our life much easier than it was in those days. They basically worked from sun up to sundown. I remember going up on the farm when I was growing up. I never lived on the farm, but I enjoyed the farm. Uh, it was just a place where I could run free and not have to worry about anything. My uncle had acres and acres and acres of land, and we could get out and just run and run and run and run. And we even got out of my mother's range of her voice. I could get so far away, I couldn't hear my mother calling me for dinner. But it was fun. It was all the things getting away. But I realized that there, they get up before dawn because work starts as soon as they can see. And 
It's not over at 5 o'clock or 4 o'clock or 3 or whenever you get off. It doesn't end there. It ends when the sun goes down and they can no longer work because it's dark. And when we look at the lives that people lived many, many years ago, their lives was less complicated. There was less distractions. There was less things to take them away from the things that needed to be done, okay, in their life as far as in the spiritual life. But at night, there's all they had. Many of them had to go to bed. Those in there, they went to bed with the chickens because they had to get raised with the roosters. You know, in the morning, when you, you couldn't sleep after the roosters woke up. When they woke up, you, were, you better be awake or they were going to wake you up, no doubt about it. But the thing about it, distraction is, a, is probably one of the biggest enemies that we have today. And during the times that we live in, during these troubled times that we live in, there's something that we must do, and that is we must keep our focus. We must keep our focus. The enemies, the enemy of focus is distraction. In the world today, there are many distractions. Life is a distraction. <laughs> Just life itself, all the things that happen in life. Family distractions. Nobody's ever had a family distraction, right? It's always, it seems like it's always something. About the time you think you've got everything all calmed down, something else pops up, right? To distract you and to what? Captivate your time. Job distractions. Things on the job that when you leave the job, I used to say that it was great to be a technician when I used to be a technician because when I left work at 5 o'clock, my job was over. I went home, and I didn't have to think about that job again until the next morning when I went to work and picked up my tools, got in my truck to go do my work. That's all I had to worry about. When I became management, I realized that I worked more hours, and even when I came home, I worked. My day never ended, right? It was, so the jobs can be very, very distracting and become big distractions from keeping us from doing what God wants us to do. Another one is a big distraction. It's just income distractions. Getting out there trying to make a living to the point that people work one job, not just one job, but two jobs, sometimes three jobs, trying to make a living and doing things. So income. And a big one is health distractions. When our health is not prime, when our health is not going great, it becomes a distraction to us. And people say, well, this is not a, it's not a distraction, Brother Graham. It's just, it's, it's just health. No, it is a distraction because... It captivates your mind. Anything captivating your mind is taking your time and taking, uh, uh, causing you to have a distraction. But our biggest distraction is what we spend most of our time concentrating on. Our biggest distraction is what we spend most of our time concentrating on. With all the distractions, we need to con- concentrate our focus on things that will strengthen us and not on the things that weaken us. We must concentrate our time on the things that strengthen us and not spend so much time on the things that cause us to become weak. Right? So, where shall we focus our attention? My, my uh, title today, they've got it up, is Keep Your Focus. With all the distractions, and when we look at the world today, <laughs> every time I turn the news on or read an article, my mind goes where? To that issue or to that place. And with all the things that go around, Satan is keeping us in a constant stir all the time, keeping us and making us lose focus. So where should we focus our attention? Now, there are many great things to focus on in the Word of God, and I, there is no way that I could share all of them with you this morning, all the things that we need to focus on, so I'm going to just limit it to just a few of them this morning of the things that we need to focus on, and, uh, but I think that some of these are the big ones, okay, the big ones. So the first thing we need to focus on is our worship. Worship. A lot of people say, why is worship first? Why shouldn't, we, why shouldn't it be God or whatever the case may be? Worship is that time in which we come together and we take time to worship God here. Now look around. 
This church, this church used to be full all the way across before the pandemic. Okay? Why is it empty today? Did they all die off? No. We got a big distraction. COVID was a big distraction, right? Fear, big distraction. People are walking in fear. People are living in fear. And every time the fear seems to drop a little bit and the people start to respond, what happens? We're right back in it. We've learned to, we've lost our trust and faith and confidence in God, okay? Does that mean that people don't get sick? I'm not saying that people don't get sick. But we've got, we get people sick every day. And it's not from COVID, but do we fear sickness? If we fear sickness, that means anytime we get sick, fear's all over us. We deal with, we deal with it. Now, I understand how big it is. I understand that I'm not questioning, and I'm not standing up here like a lot of uh, ministers have done. And I always stand up here and say, well, it just doesn't exist. Sickness exists. But Jesus died that to free us from sickness, right? Like a lot of people talked about the other day. You know, our heart, the heart failures last year, people who died of heart attacks, is way, way down. People who died from the flu last year, it's way, way down. People that died from pneumonia last year, it's way, way down. People who died from, uh, from uh, you know, blood pressure issues, it's way, way down. Why? Because they're not reporting those because everything's lumped into one big one. And if you divide all those by what the people really died for, is it really as big as we're being told? I don't know the answer. But when I read that a guy who got killed, in a, uh, got killed on a motorcycle died of COVID, I wonder where all the, all the statistics are coming from. And we have to believe... One thing or the other. We either have to believe what we hear or we have to believe what the Word of God says. Right? One or the other. Because you can't believe both. You have to believe God. God has a purpose. God has a plan. God has a work. God has something for us to do. It's time for us to get back to the business of coming and worshiping God. It's The time is over for fear. The time is over for everything else. It's time to come back It's time to come and focus our attention on worshiping our Lord, our Savior, our Redeemer, our Healer, our Provider, and all that He does for us. It's time to refocus our attention in our country, in our lives, in our churches, and get back to that fellowship of truly worshiping the Lord. Matthew 15 says, These people draw near to me with their mouth, and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. We have people out there, I am, I am what? I'm not going to call it, but what I am? But the thing about it, it doesn't matter what you say. Have you lost that focus on worshiping the Creator? Focus on the Word. Focus on worshiping the Lord. It says, and in vain... They worship me. In vain they worship me. Because they're only worshiping with our lips, not our hearts. Out of the abundance of the heart is what we do. Right? So it doesn't matter what people say. What matters is what people do. It doesn't, you can say, I'm trusting God. I'm believing God but not trust Him and believe Him. Words are only words until you apply them to your life. Once they're applied, then you have truly done what you say that you're doing. Okay? Now, it says they teach the doctrines and commandments of being. Jeremiah says, 29, says, And you will seek me and find me. You will seek me and you will find me when you search for me with all of your heart. We have to, from the heart, focus on the worship. Now, it's not just in church. People say, I can worship God at home. Yeah, you can. But the Bible says that there is strength when we come and worship together. It's just like we had a fellowship last night. And we went and played. We ate. I love to eat. 
can't eat much, but I love to eat. And then we just played games. But, you know, we fellowship with one another. We got to know one another. We just interacted with one another. Won a game, lost a game. Didn't matter. I was having fun interacting with the people that were sitting at the table. One game we played, I only think I got one answer, one right answer out of probably 50 or 60 that was asked. Matter of fact, I didn't think I was going to ever get one. I think I got one on the last hand we were playing. I finally, finally figured one of them out. I said, my brain must be not wired that way or something, or there may not be a brain up there to wire. I don't know about that either. But... But the thing about it, it wasn't about winning and losing. It wasn't about what game it was. It was the interaction with people. Okay? We have to interact with people. And the thing about it, that's the reason why we need to come together and worship together. Worship what God wants us to do. Be here together. I can't get hung up on this one because I've got too many to go. But many times when we worship the Lord, our minds are in other places. When we come to worship God... Worship Him and get your mind here where we're worshiping. If it's at home, get your mind where the worship is. Don't let it be somewhere else. Our focus is not on worship, but on the other things that, and all the distractions that are going on around us. We say all the right words, but our hearts are not in it. There are people that can say the right words, but their heart's not in it. Bible is out of abundance of the heart. Out of abundance of the heart. Focus. Focus. Now, secondly, focus on God. That must be pretty simple, right? Isaiah, Isaiah 26, 3 says, and, and you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. Talking about the Lord. Because he trusts in you. Focus on God and trust him. Focus on God and trust him. Psalms one twelve seven says, and he will not be afraid of evil things. Or talking about, we shouldn't be afraid of, it says, evil tidings. In other words, bad news. We should not be afraid of bad news. His heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. News works us, okay? And sometimes the news that we get distresses us, distracts us. We lose, what do we lose? Our confidence. We lose our trust in the Lord. And this thing, and that's exactly what Satan is trying to do, is to distract us by the things and the bad news and the things that come. Uh, this morning we're talking, uh, Noja was talking about uh, the trials, the trials and the, and, the, and the temptations, right? In Sunday school, if you missed it, you missed a good study. And I really invite you to come back next week because it even gets better next week, I can tell you. Uh, so come back and listen on Sunday. But she was talking about trials and temptations. What's the difference between the twos and whatever? And I wanted to say something, but I said I had the pulpit this morning, so I'll say it now. Uh, I'm not going to get into much about trials, but see, a lot of trials that we go through, a lot of trials that we go through are self-inflicted. Many trials that we go through in our life, some of the hardest trials we go through is because we made bad decisions or we made bad choices. I tell the guys in jail ministry that sin has consequences. Good things have consequences. Bad things have consequences. There's always a consequence to what we do. If we do good things, the consequences should be good, right? If we do bad consequences or if we do sin or if we make bad choices, then we get bad results, right? But the thing about it is, is we are a creature that does not want to take accountability for our choices. We want to let God handle our bad choices, and therefore we go through these trials many times that are self-inflicted, things that we actually started on our own. We can blame them on the devil because we like to blame it so that somebody else is accountable for it instead of us being accountable for it. I know that's another message, but they talked about it this morning, and I felt like I could talk about it right now, okay? But the thing about it is keep focus, okay? Trials and tribute. Temptations? With every temptation, God offers a way of escape. What is the way of escape in a temptation? No. You will never be tempted to do good. You get that? Temptation itself is a, it assumes, it is an automatic assumption that the temptation you shouldn't do. 
or it wouldn't be a temptation. Right? So temptations are all bad. So there's only one answer to temptation. No. Now, if you fall into that temptation that, that Nojo talked about this morning, means that you stumbled into it and you went and did the temptation, now you're going to have a trial. Because, why? Because that decision has consequences. Okay? So remember that. Now, back to the lesson. Okay? Focus on God. So when you focus on God, you will not focus on anything else. If you focus on God, you're not focusing on anything else. Right? So, things that cause us to lose focus on God is trials of life, job, families, finances, trusting in God, trusting in God, which is what we have to do. That's a life of faith and confidence and trusting God, is what we must have. We must keep our focus and keep uh, uh, trusting God keeps us in focus. Okay. Next, focus on things above. If you focus on things above, what does that assume? You're not focusing on things below. <laughs> I mean, in Scripture, there's always two sides of the coin. If you make a statement on one side, there's always the one on the... Well, I don't know what the terminology is. I'm not smart enough to know what the difference is. But there's, if there's a good way, then there's also a bad way, right? Okay. So if you're going through the things of above, then that means you've got to refrain from the things below. In Colossians, it says, If, if then you are raised with Christ... And I have to put that because there's a lot of people that haven't been raised with Christ. And you say, well, that's the unbeliever. Well, it's the unbeliever, but sometimes people walk in the assurance that they are in Christ without doing what God's Word says to do. Okay? So, raised with Christ. Seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on the things of the earth. Set your mind on the things above, not the things of the earth. Now, that is, I guess you would put it, virtually impossible 100% of the time. Okay? Because there's one problem that we have with the spirit and the flesh. There's two of them. One wants to do one thing. The other one wants to do something else. Which one are you focusing on? Basically, what I think. Are we focusing on the things that God wants us to do? The Bible says, Whatsoever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them, right? But it says, Whatsoever you desire. What are our desires? Are we desiring things of the flesh, or are we desiring the things of the Spirit? Do we desire more of what God wants us to have inside, to be able to grow more in our fellowship with Him? A lot of times I tell people fellowship, we hear the word, how many of you heard the word, have a, we must have a great, a good relationship or have a relationship with God, right? The word relationship, the last time I checked, unless somebody has added it to the Bible since the last time I did this research years and years and years ago, the word relationship is not in the word of God. The thing about having a relationship, I can have a relationship with Pierre, Okay? Right? When I say I have a relationship with Pierre, in today's language, depending on who's around me and what's going on and where I am when I say it, it's going to mean different things to different people. Okay. Now, if I say I have a relationship, they say, well, that's good. Everybody assumes that my relationship with Pierre is good because I'm telling you here in church that I have a relationship with Pierre. But the thing about it is, relationship doesn't, I can have a bad relationship with Pierre and still say, I have a relationship with him. It's just a bad relationship. You can have a bad relationship. You can have a good relationship. You can have uh, an okay relationship. You can have, I don't have any real, I really don't have a relationship with him at all. You can have all degrees of relationship. But the word fellowship, which is mentioned in Scripture over and over, the word is, Greek word is koinonia, fellowship is mentioned over and over in Scripture. And it is a fellowship because in the word itself, it is assumed and can only be, if I fellowship, it has to be good. So we must have good fellowship with God, and that's fellowship with the things above, not relationship. People dealing with relationships 
So sometimes relationships are not what they should be, but if you have true fellowship with God, you have something that's good, something that's wonderful, something that you can, that you can go with. With all the things going on in the world around us, we must focus on things above and quit focusing on all the things around us because that's what discourages us, despairs us, keeps us, our minds twisted, our, our upset all the time. Well, I'm not distracted. I'm just upset. Okay, well, that's the same thing where you're concerned instead of worry. It's just a it's just, just Christian way of saying I'm concerned, which means I fear. Okay? But it's just, oh, it's just a little fear, so that's just concerned. Okay? But anyway, all right. Next, focus on the future and not the past. Focus on the future, not the past. I preached a message on, on, on things of the past, but the thing about it is we cannot focus on our past our past failures, our past sins, our past anything in the past that was not acceptable to Christ. We must bury that past and ask God to forgive us. I was teaching to the guys in the jail this week. And we were talking about commitment. It needs commitment to a lot of people say the words. And I tell them it's not the words you say that gets you saved. It's the heart change. It's coming from the bottom of your heart when you say them. And when I prayed with them, I said, but it requires a will change. We have to change our will to align with what the will of God is for us. So when we make mistakes in our decision process, a lot of times we say our mistake, a lot of times we like to use the word mistakes because it doesn't sound as bad as sin. So we don't say sin as often, but when we sin, if we hold on to that sin that you did here, it will affect what you do here. Because you can't get as you can't move. It's almost like a derailment. You get off and you can't get back on until you get rid of that sin. Okay? Now, how do you get rid of sin? I'm going to ask you. What must you do to get rid of sin? What's the word? Repent. Repent means forgive me of whatever it is. And sometimes at night when I go to bed, I say, Lord, forgive me of my sins, even the ones I don't remember. Maybe the ones I don't even know about. Okay? Because sometimes we do things that it, we do them so, you know, so quick and sometimes so often <laughs> that we don't realize that they are sins, right? But anyway, so in, in Philippians 3.13 it says, Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which lie ahead. There is nothing that we can do to change the past. There's nothing you can do to change your past. But many times the memories of the past distract us from what God has for us ahead or for us now and what God has for us ahead. God has a great plan for your life, for my life, look towards the plan and follow the Lord as He leads you. The Holy Spirit will lead you in the path that He wants you to go. But to be able to do that, you must stay focused. And that's not one of my points, but you got to stay focused on the plan. you got to stay focused on your purpose. Focus on what God wants you to do. And we get pulled off of focus. Satan's job is to keep us, makes, to make us lose focus. And Luke... 9, um, 62. But Jesus said to them, No one, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of heaven. I think I used a reference before, maybe even one of the sermons I recently preached, about walking with my grandfather behind, and my Uncle Ralph, uh, behind uh, a little plow that the horse was pulling. One time it was a horse, other time it was a mule, depending on which time it was. But the thing was, is, was, the whole point was to keep the plow straight and keep the horse. They had blinders where they couldn't see nothing, where they just walked right straight ahead. If that horse moved one way or the other, the road was going to look like this, right? You know, it's, it's a matter of staying focused on that, right? But you can't look back because if you're constantly looking back to see if your row is straight, as soon as you look back, you make a crook and you, you make it turn, okay? You've got to keep looking. I was like this when I looked back. And my grandfather and my uncle says, no, look straight ahead. Pick an object in front of you and go toward that object. Don't worry about what's behind you. 
You can't change what's behind you. All you can do is make sure you don't get off the road going straight forward, okay? Now, there's a few times I tried to do the plow myself. Usually did that at the end of the row, and that's where all the, was where I tried. Because the main reason was I wasn't strong enough to hold the plow down in the ground, you know, because I wasn't big enough, right? But don't look back. Focus on your future, because your future is where the great things of God lie. Some of you have had terrible past. Some of them still, you still have hurts from those points. I'm telling you that let God have it. Ask God to for, ask, ask for forgiveness. Ask, you know, just forgive the people that have harmed you in the past. Just forget all that's done and forgive the people that have hurt you. I know it's hard. I've been hurt too. And I will tell you from experience, sometimes it can be so hard to forgive them because it was so extreme. But until you hang on a cross, have stripes beat on your back to the point of near death, and then hung on a cross and died for it, when Jesus hung there before he died, he said, Father, forgive them. That's the forgiveness that God wants us to have. No matter how bad they've been, no matter how rough it's been, ask God to forgive them. Because that past is affecting the blessings of God in your future. It, is, it hurts. And I know that this may be heard in other parts of the world. And I know that there are many things that goes on on other parts of the world that we over here don't even imagine what it's like. We don't imagine what, what they've gone through. But forgiveness is one of the greatest things because you can't move forward as long as you're holding on to something in the back, behind you. You just can't. You've got to turn loose of it, okay? Now, next. Focus on wisdom. In Proverbs 5, 1 through 2, this is out of a different translation. Hopefully, I got it. I copied it for them so they would have it. Proverbs 5, it says, My son, stay focused. Now, first of all, the book of Proverbs is what many times called the wisdom book, okay, uh, because there's so much wisdom. And what, what uh, Solomon is doing here is talking to his sons or talking to those that are there. He says, listen to the words that I have. If you go to the first chapter, he says, listen to the words that I have because these are going to be great things for you. And this wisdom that he gives. So wisdom is what he was saying there, but he's telling he says, my son, son, stay focused and listen to the wisdom that I have gained. Wisdom is something that he gained as he went through life with knowledge and understanding that he had. And one of these days, I'm going to, if God will allow me, I'm going to preach that. But the thing about it is, is wisdom is what we need to seek, right? We need to seek the wisdom. Wisdom. He says, I've granted, give attention to what I have learned about what? Life. What I have learned about life. So you may be able to make sensible judgments and speak with knowledge. In other words, you need to gain wisdom so that you can make right choices. Wisdom brings right choices. We talk about making wrong choices. Why we make wrong choices many times is we don't have the knowledge or the wisdom a lot of times, the wisdom to know how to, to maneuver around something to make the right choice. Many people have the knowledge of God. They have the Word of God. They've heard it for years and years and years and years. But there are many people that, that have knowledge, but they have no understanding of what, what the Word actually says. Just to read it is only the first level in, under, uh, in, in, your, in your journey toward wisdom. Because you first have to have the knowledge of something, and then you have to understand what that means. Once you understand what the knowledge is, then you can gain wisdom of knowing when to use what you know and what you understand in a specific situation, right? Because many times people may know what the Word of God says, they pretty much understand it, but they don't know when to use it. And sometimes we as Parents, many times, have the knowledge and the understanding of God's Word. And to our children, 
we don't use wisdom in applying it to them. And therefore, the knowledge and your understanding is never received because wisdom was not used in the application of the knowledge and the understanding that we had. I've made that mistake many, many times. Okay? And that's something that we have to learn. And I think, uh, here Solomon said, through all my years, I've gained, I have gained this, this uh, uh, knowledge, right? The, so that I can make, he says, so that you can make sensible judgments. The Word of God, the Holy Spirit, has great wisdom, and that wisdom helps us to make good choices and will help us to speak with knowledge. Without the wisdom of God, we will make many, many, many mistakes. And when I say mistakes, I'm not necessarily talking about sin. I'm talking about we will make bad decisions without the Holy Spirit's guidance. But so many times when we make a decision, we make a decision quickly without first conversing with the Holy Spirit to find out what direction you need to take. Once you make a decision, many times you have to live with that decision. Sometimes you can change it. But a lot of times you get stuck with it and you have to just live with that, right? So make sure that you focus on understanding God's Word, understanding and then how to apply that Word. And the Holy Spirit is the one that gives us the wisdom to know what to do, okay? That's the synopsis of knowledge, wisdom, and understanding, okay? Next, focus on the path where God is leading you. Focus on the path where God is leading you. I've had people tell me that, been, have been, that were saved for many, many years, said that they did not know their purpose in life. Their purpose in life. I think it's important for us to know what our purpose is. God, all of us has one purpose. Everybody knows what that is, right? We all have a purpose. That's to live a life of Christ, all that, to be able to get to heaven, right? To live a, 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 you know, to, the life that we should live to get to heaven. That's fine. And we all know that we're supposed to be witnesses for the Lord. That's, that's all part of it, right? We need to be witnesses for the Lord. Those are all part of, of the, the path that we have from God. But God also has specific purposes in our life that he wants us to live and wants us to do. We must seek to find those. And how do you find those? In passionate prayer. Not getting on that one, but a lot of times we've lost our passion. Okay, So, Proverbs 4 says, Let your eyes look right on with a fixed purpose and let your gaze be straight before you. Consider well the path of your feet. And let all your ways be established and ordered aright. Turn not aside to the right hand nor the left. Remove your foot from evil. Now, there's a lot in that scripture, but the part I want to talk about is, is to consider well the path of your feet. Wherever you're going in the path that God has laid out for you, watch your path. Make sure the light is there. Does that make sense? The light. Because there's people that walk down paths in the dark and they don't know where they're going in their life. We must know where we're going. If we don't know where we're going, we're walking down a dark path. And a dark path is not where God wants us to walk. He wants us to walk in a path that is lit. The Holy Spirit goes before us. I preached that message a couple weeks ago. The Holy Spirit goes before us. If the Holy Spirit is before us, then there's light on the path because He is the light. If you're walking in a dark place, stop on that path. Get on your knees and ask God to light the way that God wants you to go. It's important for us to understand that these, this path is what's important. God's path for each of us is different, but they all have one thing in common. The path that God has for you, all of them have at least one thing in common. The end result is the same. To lead us into a victorious life ending, a victorious life ending in being with God in heaven. God wants us to have a victorious life, to be victorious through that life and through the end. Will there be obstacles along the way? Yes, but those obstacles, as we're learning about the temptations and things that happen, will make us stronger. 
our faith, every time we overcome a problem, our faith gets stronger. Every time we overcome a problem, our trust gets stronger. Our confidence gets stronger. Why? Because it's through exercise of our faith that these things work. Okay? i got to move. i got to move on. Okay. Focus on God's promises. Focus on God's promises. How many of you know that God's promises are for you? Okay. If they're for you, then you should be focusing on promises. When I was growing up, my mother had a little box about this big, and it sat on the kitchen table, and there were promise cards. I don't know if you've ever seen them before. I guess they probably still have them. Every morning, my mother would pull a promise card out, and she'd read it at the table, and she says, this is our promise today. And she would read that promise. And then she'd put it in the back of that, in the back side, and we'd go through all those promises, all those promises. And a lot of times I wonder where I learned all of the things, a lot of the things that I learned throughout my life. And a lot of it was, was the teachings, the simple teachings of my mother, and then the complex teachings of faith by my grandmother. And my grandmother instilled in me when I was around the age of four five and six years old before I went before I actually went to school maybe even a little younger than that I used to stay with her certain times of the year and she was a real woman of faith they called her granny faith when people got sick they didn't call the pastor they called my grandmother but she had but she taught me and I, and I guess I didn't realize it all and I asked the Lord why where all this faith came from that God had given me early in my early in my ministry and the Lord, I had a dream one night about sitting at the, at, the, at the foot of my grandmother while she was combing her hair with a big family Bible in her lap, and I was sitting on her knee. And she was teaching me. So I asked my mother, I said, Mom, I said, I had a dream, because I asked God where this faith that I have comes from. And the Lord gave me this dream of me sitting at the knee of my grandmother and her teaching me. Did that happen, or is that just some? She said, "Oh yes." She said the whole time. She said, "By the," she said, she'd bring you in when it was time for when it was time for you to get ready for me to pick you up. She would bring you in late in the afternoon. She would bring you in for playing, and she'd get you all cleaned up, and then you would go sit and she would comb her hair, long hair. She would comb her hair, and she would read from you the word, and then she would teach you the faith of God. Those promises that were implanted in me many, 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 many years ago are the, are the things that have brought me through my life. Because when I go through something, I remember the promises of God. The one that I always said that meant so much to me, he said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And in some of the darkest times of my life, that was the only promise that I could bring to mind was no matter what I'm going through, God's promises is He'll be with me. And even if He, even if I don't feel like He's with me, even if I don't see Him with me, even if the things around me doesn't look like He's with me, He promised me that He would never leave me and He would never forsake me. And so these promises, whatever the promises, and you need to find promises that you can hold on to in the darkest hours because those dark hours come. They will come. And we must be able to focus on the promises of God to be able to make it through those. In Second uh, Peter, it says, Grace and peace be multiplied unto you in the knowledge of God, our Lord Jesus Christ. As having divine power, He has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises. I'll read it again. Have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that though that through these you might be takers of the divine nature, the divine nature of God, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. If you want to escape through the world, hold on and focus your eyes on the promises that God has given. Second Corinthians 
One, for all the promises of God are in him, are yes. Now, all of the promises of God that are in him, in Christ, are yes and amen. In other words, yes and so be it. To the glory of God through us. Now, God promises is a message within itself, but there's so many promises we can't. I mean, if you start talking about promises of God, you'd be here all day, right? These promises come through the knowledge that we have. The knowledge comes through the reading and the studying of God's Word, being led by the Spirit, right? All right. But we must claim the promises. We must claim the promises as we gain the knowledge about each and every one of them. Gain the knowledge as you learn each and every one of them. It doesn't mean pick out just one or two, but you may have your favorites. But find out what all of them are because the more promises you can hold on to, the greater blessings that you're going to receive. The fewer promises you grab hold to, the less blessings that you receive. And you must grab hold to the Scriptures, the promises of God, which is in the Scriptures, and hold on to them. God's promises provide the fundamental foundation for our lives. But we must be about the business of building our lives upon His promises. Build your lives upon the promises of God. Now, we can't lose focus or we make mistakes. We can't lose focus or we make mistakes. Distractions are one of the worst enemies, as I've said. And we have to stay focused on worshiping God, on God Himself, things above, the future, not the past, on wisdom, on the path where God is leading you, and all of the promises of God. These are the things that I've covered. Now, I want to leave... Some quotes with you. I found these quotes, and I thought these were pretty relevant, and I want to leave them with you because I think they're pretty good, okay? Here's the first one. What consumes your mind, what consumes your mind controls your life. What consumes your mind, what you've got going up on here all the time, is what is consuming your life. Because the Bible says, renewing of our what? Our minds, right? To renew our minds, right? Clear our minds. Put on the mind of Christ. That's not... But whatever you've got running consumes your mind, consumes your life. So that means that if the Word of God is consuming your life and consuming your mind, guess what? You're going to be walking in great things from the Lord. That's going to be controlling your life. Next one, don't focus on your adversaries. Don't focus on the devil. Don't focus on all the people that are attacking you. Don't focus on everything that's coming against you. Focus on God's possibilities. Don't focus on what's happening. Focus on God's possibilities. The more you focus on yourself, the more distracted you will be from what God has planned for you. The more you think about me, 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 the further we get from where God, what God has planned for our lives. Next, when you fix your thoughts on God... This is a good one. When, when you fix your thoughts on God, God fixes your thoughts. When you fix your thoughts on God, God fixes your thoughts. All right. Next one. Focus on God, not the problem. Listen to God, not your insecurities. Rely on God and not your own strength. My relationship with God is the number one focus. I know that if I take care of that, God will take care of everything else. Last, true faith is keeping your eyes on God when the world around you is falling apart. True faith is keeping your eyes on God, focusing on God, when the world around you is falling apart. Great thing. So with all the problems that we deal with in the world today, with all the distractions that we have in life, what's that most important thing? Stay focused. But don't stay focused on the problems. Stay focused on God, all these things we've talked about. There are many things that you can focus on in the Word of God. I've just mentioned just a few of them this morning. But the whole point is we cannot lose focus on the good things, because if we focus on the things that are happening around us, we lose sight of what God truly wants and what God really wants to do 
in each and every one of our lives. Father, I thank you for your love. I thank you that you sent your son, Christ Jesus, to die on the cross. I thank you, Lord, for life itself. And I thank you, Lord, that we have the capabilities and have the privilege in our country, Lord, to be able to come into your house and worship you. God, I pray, Lord, right now that people who are not here today, not with us today, will again focus their lives on you, not on what's going around them. Not listening to all of the fear tactics that are, are around that are Satan's way to let us and distract us from the focus on God that we need to have. God, I praise you and I thank you, Lord, for all that you've done for us. And I praise you for it. In Jesus' name. If you're here this morning and you need prayer uh, for your body or mind or things that are going on in your life, and if you need to accept Jesus Christ or even rededicate your life, if, you haven't, if you've lost your focus on God, and when I say that, I mean you're basically just going in a completely different, a different direction from where God wants you to be. Before you leave here this morning, you can know that you've put yourself, you've been derailed this morning. We can help you pick you up, put you back on the rail so that you can continue in your walk with the Lord. If that's you this morning, I invite you to come up here and just talk with me. Let's get things right, okay? Let's get things right. Now, our prayer partners will come. Some of the prayer partners will come, if you would, and uh, we'll be up here to pray for you. But if you would, stand with me and let's be dismissed in prayer, those of you that needs to get away. But thank all of you for being here today. We appreciate you. Appreciate your faithfulness. Do appreciate your faithfulness during this time. May the Lord richly bless you. Father, we love you. We thank you for bringing us together, Lord, today. God, I ask you, Lord, to go with us to our homes. God, I ask you to help us this week, Lord, to avoid the distractions. And God, that we'll focus our life and our attention on you. Lord, if we've been derailed a little bit, God, I just pray, Lord, that this morning that they can pick themselves up, Lord, the Holy Spirit, put them back on the rail. God, that they can go and they can do the things, Lord, that needs to be done. Help them, Lord, to follow the path and the purpose, God, that you have for them. We praise you and we thank you for all of it. God, be with us. Keep us safe. Take us home safely. Bring us back at the next appointed time that we can worship you together. We love you and we praise you for it. In Jesus' precious name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Lord bless you as you go.